just just so you'll understand this this mic working pick there you go sound like i can hear myself there randy garris who uh uh pastored for years at college heights christian church in joplin one of the largest christian churches in joplin and then went on and uh presently is on staff at ozark christian college tells the story of the first time he met wilbur fields as a as a freshman, get, getting ready to start classes at Ozark Christian College, he said he he walked onto campus with his parents, and they were they were walking around the campus trying to get a get a bearing of, of what the campus was like, where things were, what what it looked like, and and they were looking in in particular for the registration office, and so uh, or the administration office. So they they walked up the hill from the missions building uh, uh, past the chapel, and there was a a man. And, and, and they saw him. See, in fact, he says he, they actually heard him before they saw him. They heard him singing hymns at the top of his voice. But, but they noticed him. He, he had a bucket hat on somewhat like this and had some garden gloves on. And, and he was down in the dirt planting flowers, digging around in the dirt. And so they, they stopped right in front of the, the, the guy and said, hey, excuse me for a second, Ken. Can, can you help us? And the guy stopped, looked up, had a big old smile on his face, and said, sure, what do you need? And he says, can you, can you tell us where the administration building is? He said that the gardener, uh, maintenance man, whatever he was, stood up and, and pointed over to a building just across the parking lot and said, that's, that's where you're, you, you need to go. That's where you're looking for. And as they started to walk away, the, the, the man spoke. He said, hey, are, are, are you a... Are you going to be a new student here at Ozark? And Gareth said he kind of puffed his chest out a little bit, just kind of, yep, yep, I'm, I'm going to be a freshman here. He said this gardener looked at him and said, well, well, God bless you. I, I just hope you have a wonderful semester uh, here at Ozark Christian College. They, they walked away, and as they, they did, uh, Gareth said he and his parents both kind of commented to one another, wow, this must be a... This must be a great place. Even the gardeners are, are friendly and, uh, and great. And as they walked away, the guy began to sing again at the top of his lungs, uh, a little bit, a little bit off key, but singing a hymn as he walked, as they walked away. Gareth said it was, uh, it was two or three days later, the first day of class. It was Tuesday morning. It was about 6.50 and he arrived at his, he arrived at his first class, his 7 a.m. Old Testament history class. He, he arrived early. Uh, first day, he wanted to make sure he got a good seat. Wanted to make sure that that uh, that that he wasn't late. So he walks in a a, a little bit before seven o'clock, seven eight minutes before seven o'clock. He walks in and and he finds a seat at the back of the class and he sits down. And first thing he knows is he's kind of looking around the classroom. And he hears he hears someone singing and and it just hits him like I've heard that voice before. I've heard that and it, all of a sudden it hit him. That's the gardener. And he looked up, and sure enough, at the front of the class, and it was a, a, a classroom that, that, that was kind of elevated, and down on the floor at the big chalkboard was the gardener. And he was writing stuff on the chalkboard. And Kara said, said, I realize I was just a freshman, but I thought, how odd that a gardener is in the class writing stuff on the chalkboard. Maybe, maybe they have him help out and do things like that. So, so he said, right about 7 o'clock, the gardener turned around and faced the class, and said, welcome to Old Testament history. I'm your professor, Wilbur Fields. Gareth said it was then that he fell in love 
with this humble man of God who would, would through the years as a student and even on into his time in ministry, this humble servant who would teach him so much about God, but who wasn't afraid to kneel down in some rocky soil and plant flowers. Uh, that story perfectly, perfectly illustrates for us what Jesus did for us. If, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to, uh, to the book of Hebrews, uh, book of Hebrews, towards the end of the, uh, of the New Testament, book of Hebrews. We're going to look uh, today and then also again next Sunday. So we're kind of looking today in chapter 2. If you notice your notes in your bulletin, it has uh, two different texts there. We're really going to look at, at chapter 2. Today we'll look at the chapter 4 text uh, a little bit more in, uh, in specific next week. Uh, but both of them really apply to, to, to what we're going to say both days. But, but, but in Hebrews chapter 2, let me read just that text for you. I, I would invite you, uh, and you can do this during the sermon if you want, I invite you to flip over to chapter 4 and glance at those verses quickly. While, while I'm preaching here, you'll see that these, these uh, passages parallel each other and, and sound very similar and say a lot of the same stuff. But, but look with me in Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 14 down through the end of the chapter verse 18 and we're going to answer we're going to ask and then hopefully today start to answer that question why did Jesus come look with me in Hebrews chapter 2 if you don't have a bible uh be sure to bring one with you next Sunday but there's one in the pew back in front of you since the children have flesh and blood blood he's talking about us he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death that is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he made, he had to be made like his, uh, he had to make like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. We're going to look at two things over the next two weeks, two, two simple thoughts, really two answers to why Jesus came. Here's the first one we'll look at today. Jesus came to share our humanity. Jesus came to share our humanity. It says that, that uh, since the children had flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. He too shared in our humanity, he came to this earth. Couldn't God have continued to deal with men from afar? Couldn't, couldn't God have continued to deal with his people, with us from a distance and not have to send Jesus? So we're asking that question. We're answering that question. Why did he come? Well, couldn't God have just kept doing it like he was doing it in the Old Testament? Couldn't he have dealt with people from afar? In fact, we, we know some of the stories. The, the, there, there's hundreds, if not thousands of stories of, of, uh, of times that God showed up from afar in the Old Testament. Didn't he appear to Moses? One time Moses was on a mountain and he saw a bush that was burning. Now, it was weird because it was burning and it didn't burn up and a voice came out of that that bush and spoke to Moses. Wow, God showed up from afar in a wonderful way. And then a little bit later on, after he had called Moses, God orchestrated all the plagues that ultimately ended up with the Israelites 
being able to leave their captivity, their slavery in Egypt, and head towards the promised land. Man, God showed up in a wonderful way when all of those plagues happened. And then, then they get out in the desert and they come up against the Red Sea. What are we going to do? The Egyptian army pursuing from behind, the Red Sea blocking us from the front. And it says that God had Moses just hold out his staff. And when he did, the, the Red Sea parted. They, they went across on dry land. We know the story. Then the sea came back and destroyed Egyptians army. Then when they were hungry in the desert, God sent dew down from heaven and, 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 and it was, it turned into manna. So they had food. God showed up from afar, didn't he? Didn't God show up from afar with, with Joshua who took Moses place? When, when they got ready to cross into that promised land, finally Israel, Israel was going to go into the, the land and claim it. And, and it, the, the Jordan River is at flood stage. But, but they spoke the word. Joshua's people just stepped into the river and it parted just like the Red Sea. They walked across on dry land. And, and then it came time to start conquering the land. They, they didn't sharpen their bows. They didn't, they didn't get their spears out and make them ready. They didn't come together with all these plans of how we're, how we're going to conquer. They, they simply tuned up their trumpets and they walked around the walls of Jericho a few times and, and, and finished up by blowing trumpets and they had victory. And they saw that over and over again as God gave them victory over these fortified cities and these powerful, these powerful people. God showed up from afar. And, and didn't, didn't God show up from afar when he appeared to David? Uh, David went up against Goliath and all he had was a rock and a sling. And, and we know because David says it himself in 1 Samuel, David says that it wasn't his power. It was, he, he, he wasn't so great. It was the fact that God showed up. In fact, this is what he said to Goliath. He said, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of armies of Israel, whom you defiled. And then later on, he says, all those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of us into your hand, or he will give us into, give you into our hand. So, so God showed up to David from afar. Why, why couldn't God just continue to show up when we needed him to show up like he did? Well, we know how all those stories continued. Uh, Moses, Moses had problems with those Israelites. Yeah, God showed up some, in some mighty ways and he, he parted waters and, and he, he did plagues and he, he gave them manna and, and yet they comply, complained and they whined and they argued and they bickered so much so that those who had saw those miracles didn't get to see the promised land. And, and Joshua, yeah, they saw, they, they saw what had happened. They'd heard the stories. They, they were living in the promised land that they had taken, but yet a generation after after Joshua had died, they had already turned their backs on God and became slaves to other gods. And David, who had seen God work and show up so many times, he himself turned his back on God many times and forgot what God could do. Yes, God could continue, could just continue to show up from afar, but that had never been his plan. From the beginning of time, even in Genesis, God had planned that his son would come and he would share our humanity 
In Galatians chapter 4, 4, it says, But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of women, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. It had always been God's plan to send his son to share our humanity. It had always been his plan to send his son to share our humanity. But why? Why did he come? We're going to look at, today we're going to look at two, uh, and then we'll actually pick up a third one next week, uh, reasons why God sent Jesus to share our humanity. Uh, how, how many of you have been on vacation already this summer? Just show of hands. Uh, everyone, some of you are kind of like, it's not embarrassing to show you've been on vacation. A lot of you have been on, on, on vacation. Uh, I, I know the answer. Some of you know the answer. Rita, what's your favorite vacation place? Seal Beach. Well, she got real specific. Seal Beach. I, I thought she was just going to say a beach. Her favorite place to go on vacation is a beach. Seal Beach in particular, a beach anywhere will, will work. Um, and, and when we go on vacation, just like you, when you go on vacation, there's actually lots of reasons that you go. One of the reasons Rita loves to go on vacation is she loves to sit on the beach, put her feet in the, well, actually, lots of times she doesn't even put her feet in the water, but she sits on the beach in the sand, and listens to the waves crashing on on the shore, and man, that is that's just her happy place. That's her happy place. Now, now I'm going to suggest this, honey. I, I can go to Home Depot today uh, and buy a bag of sand, and I can download on my iPhone. Uh, uh, Ed was talking about downloading different things. I can download an app on my iPhone that sounds like waves, and I can. I can get some water, and she can put her feet in that water, and she can have, and I, I can give her get her a glass of iced tea or or lemonade or or whatever, and she can sit there and hear the waves. That's just not quite the same, is it? We we go on vacation for lots of one of them is to, to sit and do that, but but we also go on vacation because because when you're on vacation, there's places you like to eat. When we go to Seal Beach. Uh, there's places we hit. I have to hit pickup sticks. If you've ever eaten, eaten at a pickup sticks, it's it's great. We go to In-N-Out Burger and we go to Ruby's. I, I don't care if uh, if if we don't eat the rest of the time. We have to go to those three places. There's places that we like to eat. There's people. Sometimes when we go to California, there's people that we like to see. She has some relatives there. We have some old friends, so we'll drop by and see them. And occasionally, we'll even see some sites that we haven't seen before. We'll go to do that. Jesus came for a lot of reasons. We'll, we'll look at three of them today and, and next week. We'll look at three of them. But, but here's the most important one. Here's, here's the real reason Jesus came. So, so don't miss this one. I, if, if you catch nothing of the other two, always remember this when Jesus came to deal with sin. Why, why did Jesus come? Why did he come to share our humanity? He came to deal with sin. Look at verse 17 there in chapter 2 that I, I read earlier. Notice what it says there. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might be a, become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Now let me make this uh, let me make this a little more personal. 
personal. I uh, I need a volunteer. I need an, an adult volunteer. I need an adult volunteer. I'm not going to make you do anything. I just need someone to be an adult to be willing to raise their hand. Vicky. All right. I was waiting, Gary, but I did see your hand go. She went. Okay. V- Vicky. Vicky raised her hand. Vicky, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Uh, Vicky. Jesus had to come and share our humanity because you, my friend, sinned. Now, now think of that about that for a second. Jesus, isn't that what it said here, verse seventeen, that he might make atonement for the sins of Vicky? Now, your version may not have Vicky, but but she's one of the people, so. Jesus came to share our humanity, had to come to share our humanity because Vicky has sinned. See, see, God knew that you were going to be disobedient and He knew that you were going to see, going to sin. That's why He said in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, our sin separates us from God. The only way to bridge that gap, the only way to make it back into right relationship or righteousness with God was for an atonement to be made, a price to be paid, a sacrifice, perfect and, and, and one time, we see that in, in Hebrews, had to be given. But, but, but you guys probably know this. It wasn't just because of Vicky. He knew that all of us would, would sin. See, from the, the time that sin first entered into the world, God had a plan for Jesus to come. Back in in the first book of, of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, right after Adam and Eve had sinned, God speaking to Satan says this in verse 15 of chapter 3. He says, I will put enmity, enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head. Jesus, or God is speaking there to Satan. He will crush your head. Speaking of Jesus, and, and you will strike his heel or you will bruise his heel. Crushing his head was a fatal blow. So, so God's there saying that I'm going to send the offspring of, of, of woman. I'm going to send Jesus and he will deal a fatal blow to you, Satan, but it comes at a cost. It comes at the cost of the cross. It comes at the cost of the cross. If, if you have your Bibles open there in Hebrews, uh, flip over a few chapters of chapter 9. Let me let me just point out a couple verses there as it talks a little bit more in this book about why Jesus came to deal with our sin and to deal with that atonement. Uh, we'll look at several verses there. Chapter 9, starting at verse 12. There he says, he did not, speaking about Jesus, he did not enter by means of blood of goats or calves, but entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifers sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they were outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered him unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Look down at verse 22. What verse 22 says, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And then verse 24 and following, 
For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear with us, for us in God's presence. He did not enter heaven to offer himself once or uh, offer himself again and again the way a high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world, but he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. In our 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 current political uh, in environment, I just laugh sometimes when I watch, and I, I, I don't mean to offend anyone on this, but when I watch, when I watch politicians get up on a stage and try to outpromise one another free stuff. Well, I'll, I'll give you a free phone. Well, I'll give you a free college education. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you a free vacation. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you money just to be alive. Uh, so, so you don't even have to worry. When they get up and, and they, they promise free stuff, free stuff, I can hear the words of my Grandpa Hartman echoing in my ears, and I just laugh, because I can hear my Grandpa Hartman saying, there ain't nothing free in this world. Everything comes at a cost. When my kids were little, I saw this, and, and you probably do as well, I saw this illustrated over and over again, it looks looked something like this. We would walk into a restaurant. When our kids were little, it was most off, uh, most oftentimes a McDonald's. We'd walk into a McDonald's, and and the kids would be kind of by birth order in line with the oldest to the youngest, and they'd stand in line. And, and Brian would order first, and I'll take a I'll, a, a happy meal with the, with a cheeseburger. And and then as they got a little bit older, then I'll I'll take a double cheeseburger. And then as they got a little older, I'll take a a number three large size. Uh, but but they. They would, they would place their order and then one by one after they placed the order, they would walk away from the counter. Sometimes when, when there was a, when they were smaller, when there was a play area, they would walk away from the counter, head to the play area. Uh, later on, they would walk away and maybe just stand at the back or maybe walk away and go stand or go, go sit down and, and find a seat. But, but every time, <laughs> it's in my notes, Rita. The reality is Brian will be, uh, uh, Brian is 38, uh, and, and if I took him to McDonald's today, he would order and step away. <laughs> now they have learned to do this. They, they do do this. Gra- start to grab the wallet like, you're not gonna make me pay, are you, dad? <laughs> Brian sometimes watches, son, you do that. Uh, uh, now, now, now you know, we know as parents what they never did, at least when they were little. See, they didn't understand the, the principle. They just, they just knew they were hungry and they wanted food. And they knew that they could order and say, I want a hamburger and fries and a drink. I'll be sitting right over there. Just bring it out to me when, when they didn't understand that it came with a cost. And it came with a cost. Church, don't ever forget that the number one reason that Jesus came, the number one reason Jesus came here was to share our humanity. The number reason to share our humanity was to deal with sin. So, so what it really means is Jesus came because of you. For God so loved the world, because he loved Vicky, because he loved me, 
that he sent his only son to deal with our sin. Don't, don't miss that. Don't misunderstand. Even if we don't understand it, even if we don't accept it, even if we don't buy into it, doesn't change the fact that he came to deal with our sin. And the second reason that he came, really it's tied to the first one. It gets a little more personal. There's a little more reality to it. There's a little more application for our lives. But, but the second re- reason he came to, to, uh, to, to share in our humanity was to free us from slavery, save slavery. Jesus came to deal with sin and then free us from the slavery that it causes, costs us. What, what are we slaves to? Notice what, notice what he says there, uh, in uh, verses 14 and, and, uh, um, and, and 15. Uh, so that, that he, that, that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So, so how he describes it here is that we are slaves to the fear of death or the power of death. Now, now let me illustrate it, uh, this way. What, what does he mean by this? I, I think he's using this idea of death to really encompass a lot of different things. It's basically the fear that can sometimes move or, or motivate us is what he's talking about. Uh, he's not here today, but, but you, you saw him last week. Leif, uh, Leif Blevins was here last week and, and he, if you noticed him, he had his arm under his shirt, uh, because he, is it right or right arm in it? Yeah. He, he broke his collarbone in a couple places, had to have surgery. So he's, He's all locked up. His arms under shirt. He's going to be like that for uh, for for several several months. If if I went up to Lake and I said, Lake, do you fear death? Now he probably would have wondered, like, why are you asking that? Did the doctor tell you something? Did mom talk to you? What you know? What's going? On? But do you fear death? He probably. I'm guessing what he would say would be like, uh, uh, yeah. But the very fact that he's got a broken collarbone tells me he doesn't fear death. Uh, when you fly off a ramp on a motorcycle, which ends in a crash that breaks your collarbone and messes you all up, it, what, what that tells me is he really doesn't fear death. You guys need to teach him to fear death. <laughs> Truth is, I'm not going to jump off a motorcycle onto a ramp because I don't necessarily fear death. I feel, I fear the pain that's going to come when I land and, and I don't stick it, stick the landing because I know that's what, what's going to happen. The, the truth is, he, he probably doesn't fear death that way. Let me contrast that. I spoke to a guy a couple of weeks ago uh, that had just lost his wife, and uh, and and he said, "I'm afraid to die." He understands that. I, I, he, he basically, says, "I fear death." He said, "I'm afraid to die because because I I've done some bad things in my life." And I know my wife is, is, is up there. That's what he said. I know my wife is up there. And because of the things I've done, I'm afraid I'm going to go down there. I, I ask him a simple question. Hey, do you believe the Bible? He said, well, yeah. And then I just walked through some scriptures that tell us that if we're faithful and confess our sins, we're forgiven. I, I told him that from, from the same book of 1 John that, that he wrote so that we may know that we are saved. That all of us are sinners, and yet that God died for us. His mercy covers us. It's not about what we do, but it's about what He did. And I don't know if I convinced Him or not, but I said that's if you believe what Scripture says, and th- this is what Scripture says: it says your sins are forgiven, and yeah, that's where you're going. 
if that's who you are. So, so does this passage only apply to, to a 75-year-old guy whose wife has died and he's afraid that when he dies he won't see her again? Does it, does it not apply to a 16-year-old, almost 17-year-old that, that is a daredevil? Well, well, here's the reality. I, I think what he, what he wants us to get is, is that we're all driven. We're all driven by a fear. And, and sometimes it can be summed up by saying that, that we have a fear of death. But the truth is we have a fear of something. The, the reality is some of us fear that we won't measure up or we, we feel that we, we, we fear that we won't find our place in the world. We fear that we won't be happy. We feel that we won't have a purpose. We fear that we won't make a difference. We, we fear that no one will love us and, this drives us to our careers, to our recreation, to our relationships. And, and the reality is we oftentimes live in fear of something. Maybe it literally is death, but, but oftentimes it's other things. But it really is all wrapped up in that same thought and that same idea. If fear is causing you to, to lose sleep, if it's fear that drives you, Scripture says that Jesus came to share our humanity to rid us of that fear. What if I come to the end of my life and I didn't measure up? What if if I come to the end of my life and I didn't make a difference or have a purpose or find happiness or find find someone to love me? Johnny, band, you guys can come on up. Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come to to share our humanity so so that He could deal with sin and destroy the fear in our life? Notice what it says there in verse fourteen: so that by His death He might destroy Him who holds the power of death. the The word there for destroy, the Greek word there for Destroy means to render ineffective or to render powerless. Jesus came to render powerless the fear that sometimes binds us. You probably have all, those of you that are parents have have probably all had this happen one time or another. It's the middle of the night or maybe it's an hour or so after you've gone to bed and 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 when it was Rita and I, it was usually Rita that that noticed this, not myself. But but she would hear the door open to our bedroom, and then she'd hear little feet kind of walk across the floor. And 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 then if they went to to my side, that's when I would notice that uh, one of our one of our boys would be there with their hand on our shoulder and 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 waking us and whispering, or at least trying to whisper, "Mommy, Daddy, I'm scared." Maybe it was because a storm. They'd, they'd heard lightning flash or thunder roll, or and and, uh, and and that had scared them. Maybe maybe they had a bad dream and they woke up. Maybe they just really didn't want to stay in their bedroom. But but they they would come in, mommy. I'm scared, daddy. I'm scared. And and when that happened, we had our we had our pad answer. And sometimes it would work this way. Usually I was still asleep. Rita would wake me up, and and I'd go in their room. Sometimes with the flashlight. Sometimes I'd flip the light on in the room, and 
And I'd go in and say, there's, no, there's nothing to be scared in. And there's no monsters. I'd look under their bed and no, no monsters here. And open the closet, look in there. There's no monsters here. Go back to bed. And, and I'd go back to the room. And, and a few minutes later, more times than not, a few minutes later, you'd hear those same little footprints, footsteps coming into the, uh, the room. And, Daddy, I'm still scared. Now, depending on how tired we were and when the kids were little, we were tired all the time. Uh, amen, those of you with little ones. Uh, more times than not, we would say, okay. Really what we were saying is you win. <laughs> We'd grab our, our, our son, put him up in the bed with us. And you know, every single time, without exception, there was never, never exception to this. They'd go right to sleep. Their fear was gone. See, they bought in. They believed, they trusted that when we were around, there was nothing to fear. Their, their fear just disappeared. See, sin causes fear. So Jesus dealt with our sin to destroy our fear. If you're here this morning and you find yourself in in one of those two groups, and probably most of us are going to have to admit we're in both of them, you, you find yourself and say, well you, well, you know what? I have sin in my life. Well, there's great news. If you've ever sinned in your life, there's great news. Jesus shares our humanity to deal with that sin, and he's done it, and he's taken care of it, and we don't have to worry about that anymore. But maybe you're struggling with fear. I don't know where that's from. Fear to fit in, fear to measure up, fear to be good enough, fear to, to have someone. I, I don't know where that fear is, where, where that might. And, and it literally might be a fear of literally dying. He came to destroy. That's why he shares our humanity, to destroy that fear. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you for the power of that we have in the name of Jesus, the name that deals with our sin, that covers our sin, that forgives us of all our unrighteousness and makes us holy in your sight. Father, we thank you that Jesus came to deal with our fear. Jesus came to take the things that would would destroy us and hold us back and keep us captive, to deal with the fear of measuring up, the fear of being good enough, the fear of literally of death, Jesus came to give us victory over that. Father, thank you that Jesus came to share our humanity. To share our humanity. In his name we pray. Amen. If you need to share a decision this morning, would you come as we stand and sing?